Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Let us pray. Our Father, we've come now to study your Word, thanking you that we can trust our lives to its provisions. We thank you also for the ministry of the Holy Spirit to teach us, to lead us and to guide us into all truth. Also to enlarge our capacity to receive revelation, knowledge, wisdom, understanding and ability of all the things that pertain to life and godliness. I thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost to boldly proclaim the truth of your word in the power of the Spirit that our faith would stand not in men's wisdom or human philosophy, but in the power of the living God. In Jesus' name, Amen. Beginning at verse 14, Jesus said, The sower soweth the word. And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness and have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things, entering in choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it and bring forth some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some an hundred. Notice in verse 19, and the cares of this world. You might want to highlight that or underline that, or if you're taking notes, just make Note of the fact that that's what we'll be talking about this evening, the cares of this world. I want to begin by sharing with you, first of all, that last week we had the opportunity to go up to the Warren area to listen to Brother Willie George as he was there giving some testimony as well as holding some services for a church in that area. And during the luncheon, he was sharing with some pastors about some things that were happening throughout the country with regard to teaching. And he made a statement to the effect that many ministers have left the foundational teachings of faith for the purpose of teaching some fad teachings and preachings. And along those lines, he made mention of one particular teaching, which is called the Joshua Moses or the Moses Joshua generation. And if you're not familiar with that type of teaching, what it really states is this, that Moses was anointed of God to maintain his people in the wilderness, whereas Joshua received the anointing to conquer, the conquering anointing upon his ministry to take the people all the way in. And, of course, people will listen to that type of fad teaching and believe that it's true just because someone has flowery words or great oratorical skills or for whatever reason, I don't know, but they listen to it and feel, well, that must be true. Well, beloved, you know as well as I do that the only thing that kept the people of God in the wilderness was doubt and unbelief, not any anointing that God anointed Moses with. And also the anointing that Joshua had was the same, Moses that, or same anointing that Moses had because Moses laid his hands on him and there was a transfer of that anointing. And so, you see, people are just open to hearing all kinds of different things. 
wanting to hear all kinds of different things. And if you're like that, then, you know, you need to be careful because the enemy will certainly see to it that you hear every wind of doctrine that's coming down the pike or floating around out there, you know, in this nation in which we live and throughout the world. Well, he didn't stop there. He also went on to share a little bit about a testimony that he experienced in his life with his daughter. He was playing basketball one evening or one day, and he said that his daughter had fallen and hit her head on the floor where they were playing. And, of course, he rushed over there to her to see if he could attend to her and see what was going on. And he didn't think it was anything that bad or, you know, there was anything that dangerously wrong with her. And so they continued on and, and did what they did. And, and finally, later on, she began to vomit and had problems physically, which prompted them to take her to the pediatrician, which... Of course, he recommended they take her to the hospital because he's, he thought that she had a massive blood clot in her, on her brain. So this was right before Christmas, this past Christmas, and he went through with all that and took his daughter to the hospital. And to make it short, they had to operate on her to remove, of course, the blood and get it off the brain and everything. But before they did, he remembered being there in that room, just waiting seeing what all the doctors were doing, how they were rushing to and fro and, you know, moving as quickly as they possibly could because they knew how dangerous it was and her life was in danger and all that. He says, when all these thoughts started coming to my mind, she's not going to live, she's going to die. And the enemy telling him, you know, your daughter's going to die and you're not going to have her any longer and, and so on and so forth. And fear began to grip him and all these different things. Well, finally, he just began to focus in on the Word of God and he began to speak out the Word of God. And he began to remember Mark eleven twenty three, And he says, I spoke the Word of God and the law of faith principle found in Mark eleven twenty three, And I began saying, no, devil, you're not going to take my daughter's life. You can't have her and she will not die, but she'll live. And just speaking in line with Mark 11:23, which says, If you say to that mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and don't doubt in your heart, but believe that those things that you say will come to pass, you will have whatsoever you say. He said, the surgery will go fine. He said, and, and everything will be quick, and her recovery will be quick and speedy, and all that and went through the whole thing. And once again, to make a long story short, he just concluded by saying that it did go quick and speedy, and it was, it was absolutely 100% successful and everything, and and within a few days, she was out of the hospital. And within a few days after that, when he got her home, he said that she was playing with her brothers in such a way, roughhousing it, that he had to tell her to settle down and just take it easy. But then he began to remember what was going on in the church world today. And he said, you know, a lot of people, a lot of ministers have left the, the foundational teachings of the Word of God, teaching their people how to act on the Word of God and live by faith for all these fat teachings that are going on out there thinking that, well, we've heard that before, now we're moving on to something else. He said, what enabled me to believe God, what enabled me to prevent my daughter from experiencing possible death or whatever else, going into a coma or whatever else she could have experienced her life, was the Word of God found in Mark 11:23. Something that we can lose sight of if we're not careful and diligent to maintain our focus. And so he again admonished other ministers to continue teaching their people 
the foundational principles of faith in the Word of God. There's not a new message, beloved. John the Beloved said, that, look, the message I'm giving to you is the same message that she have heard from the beginning. It's not a brand new message. It's the same message of the gospel. But the thing is, we've got to keep it fresh and we've got to keep it alive within us. You're not going to give a, get a new message from me, John was saying. It's the message that God loves us. It's the message that we need to love one another and walk in that new, newfound love that we have in Christ and live the life of faith. And so you see, beloved, it's true. There is nothing new under the sun. We thank God for the word, the message of the gospel, and the message of faith that we have heard, that we can live by, that we can believe will work on our behalf to enable us to experience reality with God. And we shouldn't be looking to the left or to the right or looking for every new fad doctrine or window doctrine that comes down the pike so as to tickle our ears to make us think, well, we have some new revelation that came from God. There isn't anything brand new. It's the same scriptures. It's the same gospel message. It's the same Jesus who is the same yesterday, today, and forever and who always will be. So let's not forget that. Let's remember that these foundational teachings of the Word of God are absolutely imperative to our lives, important. And we need to continue looking to these truths that we have received from God's Word and remember to keep them fresh in our own individual lives. He wants our faith lives to be kept fresh. Not that it's going to be brand new. Maybe someone has never heard about the Word of God. We thank God for those who are out there who are brand new to the message of faith and, and brand new to the family of God. We have to constantly be feeding them the Word of God, don't we, over and over again so that they can have the foundational principles in their lives also. And so if we're doing the thing right, if we're doing it right for Jesus, then we have to constantly be teaching these principles of the Word and constantly be encouraging each of us to live a life of faith, for the just shall live by faith, the Apostle Paul said in the book of Romans, by the Spirit. And so, beloved, along with others, I believe it's true. We need to keep looking to the Word of God, acting on the Word of God, and encouraging one another to live by the Word of God so that we can experience the full benefits of what God has provided for us through Christ. Amen? So with that, what I would like for us to do is to look in Mark's Gospel, chapter 4 here. And I want to state that in that passage that we just read there, Jesus was talking about the Word of God having its effect upon the human heart so as to produce fruit in that person's life. And Jesus is the greatest of all teachers. And if He is the one who taught the operation of the Word of God in the human heart, I believe we need to study the things that He has spoken over and over again until they become alive within our spirit lives. Because He is revealing to us truths that will transform our lives. Truths that will enable us to have widened within us the dimensions of the kingdom of God. And that's exactly what he is revealing to anyone who has ears to hear right here in this particular passage of Scripture. He talks about the Word as being the seed. And what he is saying is this. The primary way that God helps us, the primary way that God blesses us, the primary way that God speaks to us, the primary way that God reaches out to us to deliver us or to meet our needs is 
through His Word. Therefore, we need to become serious with the Word of God. Not just knowing it intelligently or intellectually or being able to quote it by memory, but grasping the truths of God's Word, spiritually perceiving those truths until they become alive within our spirit lives and a vital part of our being. So that we can, through these truths, experience in reality the things that God has provided for us legally through Christ Jesus, our Savior and our Lord. Now, understanding that this is the way that God blesses us and helps us and meets our needs and heals us and delivers us, the enemy has put together a a carefully designed plan of attack to see to it that the Word of God does not have the opportunity to become a living thing within our lives. And here Jesus is revealing the different ways that He will come to target our spirit lives to prevent the Word from becoming alive within us. When a person first hears the message of the kingdom, he said Satan will come immediately to remove the message from his heart so that the person does not have its operation within He then went on to say that if someone does receive that message and begins operating in it, there'll come affliction and persecution so that the Word does not finally produce fruit in that person's life. There is no reality, in other words. And you'll notice here in verse 19, let's start with 18, And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the Word. Now here's another group. Those who will hear the message of the kingdom, they'll hear the word of God, and this is what will happen. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of other things entering in to the human heart, or the life of the person, will choke the word, and it will become unfruitful. There won't be any reality, in other words, in the word. The Word will not be able to produce results through that person's life because of these different things. So if he doesn't just steal the message away, then he'll use affliction and persecution to see to it that the heat of temptation will wither up the plant, it'll dry up, and then it won't produce results. But if a person does hear the Word, begins to respond to it and act upon it, and its its development has begun within that person's spirit life to believe God for miracles and signs and wonders and character changes and all kinds of good things, then this is what will happen. The cares of this world He'll use, the deceitfulness of riches and lusts of other things to enter into that human heart and choke out the Word. Let's start by, first of all, giving you some definitions here. The word there, cares, now this word in the Greek means to disunite through distractions or cares. To use the cares of this world to disunite through distractions. And then the deceitfulness of riches means... What he'll do is delude the person or deceive the person by giving a false impression. By giving a false impression. 
And thirdly, the lust of other things. A lust is an unhealthy, uncontrolled desire. And he'll use these three things to do what? To choke out the Word. To prevent it from becoming productive in a person's life. Now, what I want us to do is just to look at one point tonight, and that is the cares of this world. And if you would, please, turn with me to Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, and beginning at verse 38. We need to recognize the strategies of the enemy. We need to know his tactical plans and strategies so that we can avert and overcome anything he shoots our way is fiery missiles to defeat him before he has an effect upon our hearts and spirit lives through these things in this world. You'll notice in Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, beginning at verse 38, and if you don't mind, I'd like to read that to you from the Amplified Bible. It's a little bit more explicit, I believe, in Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, beginning at verse 38. Now, while they were on their way, it occurred that Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha received and welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister named Mary who seated herself at the Lord's feet and was listening to his teaching. But Martha over-occupied and too busy, was distracted about much serving. She came up to him and said, Lord, is it nothing to you that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me, to lend a hand and do her part along with me. But the Lord replied to her by saying, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. There is need of but a few things, or only one. Mary has chosen the good portion, that which is to advantage, which shall not be taken from her. Now, in the King James Version, it says that Martha was cumbered, in verse 40, about much serving. And came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. And Jesus answered and said, Martha, Martha, thou art, now notice, careful and troubled about many things. Let's begin by looking, first of all, at Martha. Jesus said that she was careful or full of the cares of this world about many things. The word cumbered there in verse 40 actually means to be overoccupied or to distract with care. To distract with care, which means to disunite through distractions. One who is careful is disunited through distractions or worries or anxieties or frettings. And Jesus was saying, Martha... There is a problem that you have in your life. And he said, Martha, Martha. I'm sure he was very tender and soft-spoken with her. He wasn't upbraiding her at all. He was just pointing out a particular situation in her life, maybe a character flaw that she needed to deal with in her life. 
I'm sure it was a, a product of her environment because of how she was reared up. Nevertheless, it was a situation that existed in her own life that affected her in a negative way. Jesus pointed out to her and He said, Martha, you're cumbered about many things. And He was saying to her that you're full of the cares of this world and because of it you are being distracted. Notice He also said that you are troubled. In verse 41, the word that's used there in the Greek means to be disturbed or made turbid, which means that because of the situation, because of the problems, and because of her always fretting about things, her thinking had become clouded. She was confused about what is most important in life. The things that are really, truly important and those things that are really of lesser importance. Not that they're not important, but they are of lesser importance to a person's life. So we see Martha now being full of care. She is troubled. She is confused maybe. Her thinking is clouded. But on the other hand, we see Mary. Look at verse 39. And she had a sister called Mary which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard His Word. And Jesus said of Mary in verse 42, there is one needful thing. And He said that Mary has chosen the good portion. It is something that will never be taken away from her. Martha was worried or cumbered about and distracted over too many things. But Mary considered the need to sit at the Master's feet and to learn from Him to be paramount in her life. She felt that for me to sit at His feet, to hear what He has to say, and then allow His words to govern my life was more important for me at this time than to get up and help someone do something else. Jesus was not saying that it's wrong to be hospitable. He was saying that there are things that are of major importance and there are things that are of lesser importance. And Mary chose that which was of major importance. And so she is going to be rewarded with receiving something in her life that will never be taken away from her. And so, in effect, he was saying, you're asking me to tell her to do something that is really of lesser importance. And I'm really choosing not to do that because she has chosen to do that which is of vital importance. He knew it would best benefit her life. Well... How many of you know that Martha is not the only person in the world who is cumbered about, weighed down, and burdened with many cares of life? How many of you know that each and every one of us lives in a world that always puts us under pressures and the pressure of circumstances? 
a world in which the pace here at least is so rapid that we're constantly concerned about all the different things that we have to do to see ourselves through a day. There are so many things on our minds. There's so many things that we have to do. So many things that we have to get done. So many jobs to be accomplished. That without realizing it, just like Martha, we're going about involving ourselves in doing all these different things and not really taking the time to do that which is needful. Most important. The thing, of course, that's going to enable us to experience reality with God and have Him involved in all the affairs of our lives. In Mark's Gospel, chapter 4, go on back there to verse 19 again. I want you to notice what Jesus said about someone whose heart is weighed down with the cares of life, whose spirit is burdened with all the things that need to be done, weighed down heavily and not fed the Word of God or given opportunity even to breathe the life that comes from the words that fall from the Master's lips as we sit at His feet. In Mark 4.19, again, this is what Jesus said, The cares of this world, let's skip the rest and go on down to the latter part, entering in, the cares of this world, entering in, the cares of this world entering in. He didn't say they wouldn't be there. He didn't say that they aren't legitimate. He didn't say that there are many things, that there aren't many things that need to be done. He said they are there, they exist. But it's when the cares of this world enter in to the spirit of that person, to that human heart, and begins to weigh it down and burden it, and really overcome it and occupy it, then what happens is the Word is choked and it becomes unfruitful. Now, to be over-occupied, and this is a definition of the word occupy, it means to engage the attention or the energies of a person. Mary was over-occupied. Her attention and energies were given unto the cares of getting all these things done. I've got to serve. I've got to prepare the meal. Got to take care of, of the people. Then I've got to do the laundry. And I've got to do all these other things. Got to take the kids off to school. Got to do this. I've got a schedule that I've got to keep. All these things have got to be done. And I've got to get them done throughout the course of this day. If I'm going to be successful in doing it, I've got to work every minute of the day. And what he was saying was, just like her many times, all of our lives are affected by the cares of this world. And that our efforts, our energies, our attention is all given to the things that we have to get done. 
And when that happens, the care of it all enters in and begins to choke the operation of the Word of God within our lives. Notice that word choke. It's an important word there. Circle it, highlight it, and make note of the definition. It means to check the growth, the development, or the activity of. Or to keep in check or hold in check the growth, the development, or the activity of the Word of God. When a person is covered about these many things, when a person's spirit life is weighed down with the cares of this world, and when we are occupied or we give all our attention and all of our energies to accomplishing all these different things that we have to get done, legitimate things that have to be done, and there's no time to sit at the Master's feet as, Mar as Mary did, then those things enter in and choke or keep in check the development, growth, or activity of the Word of God in our lives. Beloved, this is not a new message, but I believe it is a message that's relevant to today. Because in any country, we know in this country, we live a rapid pace. We want microwave everythings, instant everything that we can possibly get our hands on. I mean, when I first heard about having drive-through funeral service, I thought, what's this world coming to? You know, what is the United States of America coming to? You've not heard of drive-through drive funeral thing? Sure, just drive up, just hold up the body you want, look at it, and go. It's happening, folks. Think about the pace that we live. All the things that we are expected to accomplish in a 24-hour period. How many times have you heard yourself say, My goodness, I wish I had about another 24 hours in this day so I can get everything done that needs to get done. How many of you know all the things that we have to do are going to be here when we're long gone from this realm of life? Should Jesus tarry, we live out the full length of our days and depart to be with Him. I guarantee you, there'll be floors to clean. There'll be dishes to wash. There'll be dirty laundry to take care of. There'll be jobs to, to, you know, to work at. And all this will all still be here when we're long gone. It's true. He's not saying that it's not going to be here. It's going to be here. But how it affects our lives is what he's talking about. He wants us to understand that it is absolutely essential and important that the Word has its place within our lives. And if we're not aware of the attack of the enemy, if we don't see how he'll pressure us into all these different things and putting them first place in our lives, then it'll happen. The cares will enter in, it'll choke the Word, it'll keep in check our growth, development, and also the activity of the Word of God in our lives. You say, well, so it keeps in check the activity of the Word of God in our lives. Well, i got a scripture to share with you in the book of Hebrews chapter 1. In the book of Hebrews chapter 1, beginning, well, let's just read beginning at verse 1. God who has sundry times, I'll wait, you're still turning. I want you to see it with your own eyes. God who at sundry times in verse 1, chapter 1, in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. Verse 2 is what I want us to see. 
hath in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. Now notice, all things were made as the Word went forth. Who is the Son? The Word was in the beginning. The being was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. All things were made by Him who is the Word of God. Notice verse 3 now. Who being the brightness of His glory, the express image of His person, upholding all things by the Word, by the Word, by the Word of His power. He upholds all things. How many of you today were created by God? We were created by God. All the things were created by the Word of God. We all were created by the Word of God. As He breathed into man, gave him the breath of life. He spoke life into a being that He formed out of the dust of the earth and life went into Him. He became a living soul or a living being. That life is upheld by the Word of the living God. Now, you ready for it? All the worlds are upheld by the Word of the living God. Everything as we know it is upheld by the Word of God. He told a tree to do its thing in the book of Genesis, and it's been doing it ever since the act of creation. As he spoke and said that every living thing would have seed after its own kind to produce after its own kind. The law of Genesis, it's been doing it from the beginning. Everything is upheld by the word of his power. In Hebrews chapter 11, it talks about he spoke everything into existence after he framed it. And the things that are seen were not made of things that do appear. But by faith, God spoke, and everything as we know it came into being. So in other words, everything is being upheld by the word of God's power. And we see that when Jesus spoke to the fig tree, the fig tree dried up from the root, withered away, and died. Which once again goes to show that as he spoke the word, it obeyed the word then as it obeyed from the very beginning. He used his word of power to destroy that tree or to curse that tree, and it obeyed. It died. The word upheld it, and the word had power to curse it and cause it to die. Now, in the book of Hebrews, this is what it says. Same scripture, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. He is the sole expression of the glory of God, the light being, the outrank of the divine. He is the perfect imprint and very image of God's nature, upholding, maintaining, guiding, and propelling the universe by the mighty word of power. In other words, anything and everything that he has created in the universe is to be upheld, guided, propelled, sustained by the word of God's mighty power. And what Jesus was saying was this, that the Word is God's life-giving source. Our divine potential is in seed form. And if the Word will find its lodging within our hearts, it will lead us, it will guide us, 
propel us, maintain us, uphold us. Because it is the word of God's power. So when the enemy, through the cares of this world, keeps in check the activity of the word in our lives, can you see how effective he is in preventing us from experiencing the reality that we long for in God? God says, by his stripes he were healed. But other things enter in to make that word not effective within our lives. It doesn't have its proper place within our spirit lives, and therefore we're not being upheld by that word of God's power. But when that word does have its lodging within the human heart and it begins to bear or take root and produce fruit in that person's life, then God's healing power is activated on the inside of that person. He said in his word in Proverbs, My son, attend to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For my words are life to those that find them and health on all of their flesh. Notice, it's the word then that becomes life and health to all their flesh. The word and its activity within the human heart begins to produce the healing power of God. It produces the delivering power of God. It produces the character of God, the love of God, the joy, the peace, all these different things. They're all in seed form. The Word needs to have its place within us. But the cares of this world, entering in, will choke or keep in check the activity of the Word and prevent it from producing fruit within our lives. And we need to be aware of that. Now, once again, mind you, we understand that we all have all these different things that we've got to get done in life. Are we saying that we've got to just stop doing everything that we do in life? No, we're not talking about that. Jesus never said that. He never meant that. But what we are to do is found way back in the book of Matthew. Go on back there, if you would, please. In chapter 11. This is exactly what Mary was doing. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11, and verse 28... This is what she did. Jesus says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. You're doing all kinds of things. I mean, you are involved in, in, in such activity in this world that you're heavy laden. You're burdened down with the pressures of life. The cares of this world have entered in and it's choking you. The pressure of circumstances. The pressure of financial trouble. Trying to maintain your home. The pressure of, of being at work and listening to all that everybody has to say to you. The pressure of taking care of a family and rearing up your children. And all these different things that put pressure upon the human life. They have entered in and they are choking you and you are burdened by them all. He said, look, come to me, ye that labor and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke, hook up with me. Upon you and learn of me. That's exactly what Mary was doing. Mary was sitting at the Master's feet learning of Jesus. And as she began to share those words of life, they had an effect upon her heart. And she wasn't going to be distracted at that moment. She wasn't going to go start setting a table or making potato salad. You know. You didn't think I knew anything about pizza, did you? She wasn't going to get involved in doing all that. What she was going to do is stay right there 
and take that time and consider it to be the most valuable and precious portion of time in her life. This is paramount as far as I'm concerned, Mary said. May I help you after he's done talking? But while he's talking to me, I'm staying right here. I'm going to listen. I'm going to learn. I'm going to hook up with him. Learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly in heart. You shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What she was saying was, I am going to take the necessary time. I'm not going to stop everything in life, but I'm going to see to it that I allot myself a period of time that I'm going to sit at the Master's feet. I'm going to sit before the presence of the living God. I'm going to learn from the Word of God. I'm going to fellowship with my Father. I'm going to listen to what He has to say to me from His Word. And I'm going to allow it to affect my heart in a positive way. And as a result, what did He say He would do? I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. I'm meek, lowly in heart. You'll find rest to your souls. In other words, you won't be delivered from having to do the dishes, the laundry, and everything else. He said, but what will change is your attitude. You won't allow the burdens. You won't allow the cares. You won't allow that which enters in to choke out the word or to keep in check the activity of the Word or your spiritual growth and development, you won't allow it to have place in your life. You'll still go about doing all that you have to do, but you've made room for what is most needful to your life. Now, another scripture with regard to that, look in the the book of Ephesians chapter 3, and then we'll close it by showing what we can do so that we're not in a place where we are overburdened and the cares of this world are dominating us in our spirit lives. In the book of Ephesians, in chapter 3, the Apostle Paul, understanding this need, began to pray a prayer for these people at Ephesus, the church at Ephesus. He knew that it was absolutely important that God's power through His Word have its place and activity within their spirit lives. He knew it was imperative that the message of love pierce their hearts and that the Word on love, the Word on faith, the Word on God's power and the Holy Ghost in their lives would find its lodging from within. It would take root and produce fruit. He knew the importance of it. He knew the importance of them, of their being strong spiritually on the inside to handle the pressures of life. So that God could move on their behalf to do things for them in their lives. And so this is the prayer that he prayed for these people. Which is a prayer also that we can also pray for ourselves in verse 14. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Notice he's talking about your man on the inside. Don't allow the cares to enter in. Don't allow the worries and the frustrations and the frettings of life, the anxieties to enter in. Don't allow that. But allow yourself to be strengthened with might by his spirit in your inner man so that Christ may 
dwell in your heart by faith, or so that the Word, Christ is the Word, may dwell in your heart by faith, that you would be, now notice, rooted and grounded in love. And Jesus says there, they were, there was no root in themselves. They had no root. That you'd be rooted and grounded in the love of God that passes knowledge. So that you may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, the height, and to know the love of Christ that passeth knowledge, that you might be filled on the inside, not with the cares of this world, not with anxiety, not heavy laden and burdened down with the pressures of circumstances and emotional upheavals, that try to overtake our spirit lives. No, so that you would be filled with all the fullness of God. God's fullness in us is measured by His Word level in us. Did you know that? My words are spirit, Jesus said, and they're life. God's words are containers of His very own life. And by what measure we have the Word in us is by the same measure that we have the life and the activity of God's Spirit within our spirit lives. God wants us to widen the dimensions of His kingdom within our spirit lives by getting a hold of, of what He said about all the different issues of life and putting it on the inside of us. Proverbs 4 also said, Protect thy hearts with all diligence, because out of it flows the issues of life. Protect the heart. Keep the Word of God inside your heart, because out of your spirit life comes the issues. The forces of life flow out of your spirit. So find out what God said about all the different issues of life and put that on the inside of you. As you do that, you enlarge the kingdom of God inside your spirit. You give God more place and there's more activity on the inside of you. Godly activity. God's power at work on the inside. So as to overcome all the cares of this world. We face the same situations daily, but we do so with a sense of victory. They're not overcoming us. They are being overcome by the attitude, by the power, by God upholding us on the inside with the word of His power, enabling us to rise up above the pressure of circumstances, above the cares. And instead of choking out our spiritual growth and the word's activity, what happens? We grow in spirit and develop in these areas and the activity of the word takes over. You ready for this? In verse 20, this is why God wants us filled with His fullness. So that now, now that we're filled with His fullness as the Word is taking its place within our spirit lives and we're being strengthened by His might in our spirit in the inner man, now unto Him that is able, now we give God the opportunity to do for us exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think according to the power that is his miracle working ability. That word is in the Greek. That worketh and that word in the Greek means that is efficiently active in us. That is efficiently active. And what did that word choke mean? What does it mean? To keep in check the activity. To keep in check the activity of the life of God, the Word of God, the power of God within our lives. God is able to do for us succeeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. How? When? According to what? According to the power or the miracle working ability that is made efficiently active in us. 
Not inactive, but active. That's why we don't want to keep in check or have kept in check the activity of God's Word in our lives. We want it to have its place of activity. And so, you see, as we get the Word of God, what God said, and we put it inside us and we protect it there diligently. Because all these things are threatening. They're coming against us, targeting our spirit lives and conditions so as to make the Word of none effect. Why? Because he knows that he can keep that level of activity down and that God's hands are tied because we're not cooperating with him in spirit. But on the other hand, if we do it God's way, he's able to do it for for us exceeding abundant of all that we ask or think. And let me give you these scriptures very quickly and we'll just close it right here. Well, then what are we supposed to do with all the pressures that come against us in life? First of all, choose to do what Mary did. Choose the good portion. Which means choose to take a period of time out of your day, my day, and say, you know what? This is the lot of period of time that I will sit at the Master's feet. I know some of I say, but I don't have time. That's exactly what he was saying. You've got time to do the dishes. You've got time to iron. You've got time to do the laundry. You've got time to, do, to feed the children. You've got time to go to take them to school. You've got time to go to this thing, to that thing, the other thing, and do all these things and clean the floors and, and, and all these different things. But the point is this. If we don't make time, it doesn't mean ten hours. Just time to sit at the Master's feet, a portion of time that is most needful to all of our lives, and wait in His presence and say, Father, I open up my heart to You. I give it to You. This is a time I set my love upon You, and I'm telling You I depend on You for my survival. He wants to hear that. He wants a humble, submissive attitude. And that's what this really means. Some people say, I can't lift my hands up. When I first came into the Pentecost movement, I sat on my hands. I wouldn't lift them up to heaven for not, not, no money in the world. But they say if you stay long enough around a uh, slippery creek bank, you're going to go right on in. And I did. <laughs> it wasn't very long before my hands went up and I just began to praise God, saying, Hallelujah, I do love you, Lord. And I saw it was in the Word, lift up holy hands. But then I began to realize this. When my child came to me as little, little ones... Immediately, if they fell or whatever, they start crying and their hands would go up. You know, pick me up, Daddy. Pick me up. Why? They depend on you. Or if they just want your attention, they'll lift up their hands. Pick me up. Pick me up. I love you. That's what we're saying. Father, we're living in this cruel world. We understand that. With all pressures and the enemy targeting our lives and all that, we can't do it alone. As I start this brand new day, I lift my hands saying, I need you. I need you. I set my love upon you. I give you my heart's devotion and affection. Speak to me through your word. Make a reality your word in my life and enlarge the dimensions of your kingdom from within that I may operate as you want me to operate in this realm of life and fulfill your word. Increase that activity of your word, that level of activity in my life. That's what you're saying. Secondly, you choose to take that time. Secondly, you choose to you, you do this. You, you learn to cast your care upon him. First Peter 5, 6 and 7. I'll read it real quick from the Amplified Bible. First Peter 5. Write it down. And real quick, let me, let me give you these. Number three is learn humility in prayer. Philippians 4, verses 6 through 8. And number four, learn to watch our words. Jesus said, take no thought saying, 
Matthew 6, 25-34. That's real quick. That's what we are to do. But let's, real quick, I'm going to read this to you from 1 Peter 5 in the Amplified Bible. Because it's so beautiful and so beautifully stated. Listen to what he said. In 1 Peter 5, we must learn how to cast our cares upon our Father. We have cares. He didn't say we don't have cares. We have concerns. He didn't say we don't have concerns. They're out there. And they try to affect us and dominate our lives. But this is what he said do. In verse 6, Therefore, humble yourselves, demote lower yourselves in your own estimation under the mighty hand of God, that in due time he may exalt you. And when you go into his presence in the beginning of the day and you say, Father, I depend upon you for my survival throughout the course of this day. And I give this time to you to communicate with you, to share with you and ask that you would cause my thoughts to be agreeable to your will throughout the course of this day. I'm not leaving you out. I acknowledge you in all of my ways today. I need you and your involvement in my life, in the affairs of my life today. You're humbling yourself before him. Now, listen, casting the whole of your care. Oh, but you don't understand. My child's out and there's this problem. And, and all he says, cast the whole of your care. But you don't know I've got to have this thing paid. And I, he says, cast the whole of your care. You mean he, he wants me? He wants to take time out of his busy schedule. Multitudes of millions, multiplied millions of people calling upon him every single day. And he wants to take time out of his busy schedule for me. Just me? Yes. Casting the whole. You mean just giving part of my care? No. The whole. Casting the whole of your care. We must learn to cast the whole of our care. Throw it down at His feet. Our anxieties, our worries, all our concerns, once and for all, on Him. And you say, why? Because He cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. He cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. Dear God, did you know God cares about you watchfully? And what that is saying is this. When God cares about somebody watchfully, it means He keeps His eyes on you. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong on the behalf of those whose hearts are upright before Him. And an upright heart is one that is free from worry. Free from anxiety, free from care, free from those concerns. And you say, I give them all to you. When you yoke up with him, what you're saying is this. I can't carry the load by myself. I'm giving you all the problems and the cares and you pull me along. And that's exactly what God wants. He says, I don't want you to be careful for anything. And in Philippians uh, chapter 4 there, it said the same thing. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. Make your request known to God with thanksgiving. And, and the peace of God will garrison about and mount guard upon your heart and mind. And then finally in, in Matthew 6, he said, take no thought for your life. Don't have worry, anxiety, fretting and concerns and cares that will overburden you in life. Learn to cast them upon the Father because He cares for you. Notice he says about the birds, how the Father takes care of them and the flowers of the field, how they're clothed by God Almighty. Notice, if you'll do that for them, He'll clothe ye, O ye of little faith. So have faith to believe that God is there to meet your need. Take your care, my care, so that I can say no matter what my concerns and cares are, I need not be troubled by them. Not that they don't exist, but they're not mine anymore. I cast the whole of my care upon Him because He cares for me 
watchfully or affectionately and cares about me watchfully. That's something we need to sit at the master's feet and learn about. And if we'll do that, we'll give place to the activity and operation of the word of God within our lives. And it will be active and alive and living within us. And God's power will flow. And He will be able to do for us exceeding abundantly above all that we ask. Amen. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.